Post show. Post show. Post show. Oh, yeah, yeah. What did we say we were going to talk about? Something about AB and Bev, right? Like, uh. No, no. Uh, politics of drinking. Oh, yes. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm not super sold on the. I mean, it doesn't anybody who's listened knows. I'm, I'm not big into the whole sellout shit in the first place. I'm totally fine with the idea of brewers getting purchased because to me you have to deal with a lot of economic considerations so you know a relatively new point of view for me and what I'm, I'm trying to embrace is that you know like how fat the companies cycle companies yes. are born they thrive they die yes how many companies have been around for 500 years? Not very many. Not Somehow. a lot. A few. A <laughs> few. Uh, a lot. Of, a couple of the brewing <laughs> yeah. companies, right? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, make it shorter. How many companies last for 100 years? A few. And how long do you want your brewery to last? Right? Yeah. Like, when is enough for your brewery? So... But you know, and the ones that have last five hundred years, they've changed considerably. I yeah. mean, they're different. but you know, replenishing the pool. You know, so like, okay, so your favorite brewery is sold out, or your favorite brewery is retracting. And there was a story we missed, like Summits pulling out of Pennsylvania. Mm. Summits, you know, they've been on our distribution list for a while. They send us a lot of beers, more beers than we can review on the show, but we try to be fair and get them on the show regularly. They make some good stuff. They make some eh stuff. And, you know, it it's a cycle. It's a cycle of life. It's the circle of life. The story. It's a story. So if you can, then, like I said, this is a new theory of mine that I'm trying to still trying to make sure I, I agree with. But, you know, change is good. You know, change keeps things going. And I don't have a problem change with... Change is the only way you can know that things are, are going. Yeah. That's good. That's a very... Uh, it's philosophical, but it's also observational science, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if there's no change, you can't observe progress. Uh, so, you know, I'm trying to see if I agree with this thing. Like I said, I'm feeling it out. But, like, breweries come, breweries go. Mm-hmm. It's all and cool. And people man. move it's on. Like from, Pete, it's so, so, like uh, Peter Brookhart moves on, right? I mean, right. Like, <laughs> no, exactly. Uh uh, Mitch Stone from Stone. Mm-hmm. Or, no, Mitch. Not Mitch Stone. Mitch. That guy. The, the brewer guy. The Mitch. Guy does the hot steel. Mitch Steele from Stone. You know, he's working on a brewery in Atlanta now. Uh, embrace the change. Embrace it. You know, who cares that. Okay. You know, I'm actually kind of excited that I'm going to get to have. Some wicked weed in the market. Yeah. I don't know if excited. I'm looking forward to getting to try some wicked weed now. We did one wicked weed on the show. We had a couple wicked weeds when we were out at the Great American Beer Fest. But we've not had the opportunity to have any wicked weed. And I saw the news. I'm like, well, shit. Wicked weed sucks now, but at least I'm going to get it. I don't think I've been disappointed with any Goose Island beer I've had. I mean, I've, so that, not like, in a very long time, but the times where I was disappointed with Goose Island, it might have been my palate that wasn't ready for it. Mm-hmm. 
So Guzan, as far as I know, has not dropped their quality at all since April. Oh, there was the recalls with Bourbon County, you know, so but, you could have had a bad Bourbon yes, County. Yes, sure, yes, agreed. But in terms of the beer that I've had from them and, and, and continue to, to have, they're all good. Oh, the last time I had a Honkers, it blew, knocked my socks off. Like, this is so much better than I thought it would be. <laughs> so, I remember getting into craft beer, and I don't know if I was in Chicago or what, but I had a Hex Nut, the brown ale. I was like, oh, don't like this, no like, no like. You know, but I would try it again in a second. I, I think that the big fear was always, okay, the brews are going to be then turned into mainstream mush. Well, that's not happening. So the only other fear that they have is that they're going to take up all the shelf space. And I think I think there's, so there's the shelf space thing, but there's the, you know, we are the fans of craft beer. Yes. We, we wouldn't do the show if we weren't fans of craft beer. And as fans, we want purity in the intention of the brewer. As the fan part of us. Sure, I, yeah, I suppose. Right? I'm not saying the fan's the only part of us. I'm saying in the fan part of us, imperial of intention. And when yeah. you start yeah, having there's, there's the accounting point. department yes. making yes. decisions on how yes. the beer is going to be made, that's the concern. That's sure. that's the part we don't like. Right, because we don't want to be we don't want to be surprised and have our fandom be thrown away at at some marketing ideal as opposed to some ideal of of what we became fans for the thing in the first place. For example, with Mass Effect Andromeda, where I was a fan <laughs> of the the gameplay and, and the stuff they did with the narrative and all that stuff as opposed to the fact that it was called Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to get to the point where it's 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 weird because you can compare it to sports, but then when you're talking about sports, you're rooting for a uniform. You're not rooting for. I mean, you, people are in there, and you're rooting for them while they're in those uniforms. But when they move to another team, you're you don't care they're the enemy. You, what you're rooting for is uniform, and so there's a weird disconnect that marketing doesn't put into play because sports has some purity mm-hmm. that I suppose beer doesn't. I, and that gave me a real, real interesting psychological study as to why that's the case. Right. I believe it has nationalistic things to do with it, but there's a it's it, it's qualitatively different we care about quality in terms of our beer. we care about what we enjoy right. and stuff like that. so we're also scientists or we believe in the scientific methods so we would have to actually observe no, we use the scientific method whether we believe in it or not is, is... okay all right but if we are unable to discern a drop in quality it, you know, it's it's kind of like, well, the evidence shows the beer is the same quality as it was before. So any reason to dislike it is is political. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and I prefer to support the little guy still. And I have a hard time figuring out exactly... Where that line is drawn, but you only support the little guy who does a good job, right? You don't support the little guy. Oh, who does sure, shit. absolutely, absolutely. So it's not just the fact that they're a little guy. 
Let's let's be clear about that because mm-hmm. that's important. Oh no, in it coloring the distinction, and therefore, well, I talked about change, right? Those right, little yeah. guys are doing shitty jobs. They're going to close, and I will not lament <laughs> their passing. It's um, it's so it's such a complicated web of factors. Yeah. Then focusing on one, uh, without you're going to contradict. Into you're going to con- yeah. you can easily contradict your other belief because it's so interwound interwound. Yeah. That you don't necessarily. It, it's so hard to separate and justify. All of your opinions, right? Yeah, absolutely, and and that that's consistent. That's consistent across the board. So, you know, like an example in this show was I was justifying my opinion of New Holland over Ryan. Guess I like them both, and you made good points mm-hmm. about both of them. But then so, there's like so for me, like the opposite. Like if I was picking my favorite brewery. I would tend to point to Rheingeist over the two, but I liked... But you like the... The, the New Holland. The and New Holland neither, New Holland's not a slouch, but if I had to say, you know, gun to your head, Jeff, which brewery do you think is a better brewery? <laughs> I'd say Rheingeist. You're the one who has a gun. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to pull it out, I can try. <laughs> Rheingeist! <laughs> um, not by a lot, but by by a, by a margin. You know, I've had some, some pretty good stuff from Rheingeist. I, I do like how New Holland is doing a new brand for their hop. Uh, I'm kind of I was kind of out burned out of Hatter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but it, yeah, it, I mean, it was it. As I said, the reason why I got these two is because I saw Mosaic on, mm-hmm. it. and so I'm you know going to jump at that, and and that's what I told. It was a great study of different Mosaic. Yes. I mean, I. It, it would be hard to find another beer so different from the Rheingeist as the Yes, Hot right. That was also Mosaic and then also had sort of that real different quality. Mm-hmm. It's what I told Shane, because Shane, um, Shane, by the way, might be here next week for um, Memorial uh, Day, so okay. Memorial, that, that weekend, so we may be able to do that. We're going camping. I'm okay. not sure when I'll be around. Okay. No. I understand. I mean, Sunday night we could probably work. Uh, or no, it. no, it's Memorial Day. Sunday night we'll, we won't be back Sunday night. So, so, uh, and he would be driving back on Monday. So that would probably not be the the, the, the case. Okay, um, but when when we were here, because he had some like New England style IPAs, I was like, where do I get that? And I was like, because he's in uh, Connecticut. I was like, you know, you can probably Everywhere. find that, but. Just I said, look for mosaic hops. Look for something that says mosaic on it. Mm-hmm. That was my you know recommendation for it. And I think that will get because that's you know he he discovered this new whole you know he discovered phase three essentially, and so of course right. it's like whoa, where do I get phase three? He didn't call it phase three because mm-hmm. there's no right. you know our our uh, our terminology, but it's it's right. yes, of course we're like yeah. So yeah, I'm sure you can get tons of great stuff out there. But yeah, look for mosaic hops. That'd be, that'd be your your angle. Mm-hmm. Acid galaxy too, but right, mosaics the yeah. the leader of the pack. He's the the big dog. 
Yeah, so back to the, I mean, to wrap up the politics and beer thing. Uh, I don't know. Can't be wrapped up, I guess. Just just appreciate change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's it. You know, draw your own conclusions beyond that. But things are not going to stay the same. No, things are not going to stay. Things are going to change. Speaking of change... We may be seeing at least some sort of change in the attitude coming from the executive branch because of all the shit that's been going on recently. Uh, whether, whether the executive branch itself is going to change, that that's probably still only about 30% likely. But it is interesting that the force of the kind of the, the Trump ego is running against uh, so the the the. The unstoppable force of the trunk you know, is running against the immovable object of politics in America <laughs> and is just kind of like colliding. And so we're seeing that, that occurring right now. And uh, this last 10 days has been big. It's been insane. Uh, from the. And, and it's one of those things where it's like any individual aspect would not necessarily be the worst thing. But the combination of all the shit that's going on just amplifies every other little factor. I, I, I think there's one thing that's particularly crazy, and that was when Trump was talking to Lester Holt. And... <laughs> He apparently was not happy with the story that his press corps was spinning. Right, yeah. So he changed it. He changed it. And not only did he change it, but he was doing the stream of consciousness thing where he's like, yeah, I was thinking about Russia. And I fired him. Right. It's, it's... How do you say that out loud? What the fuck? Well, again, like if, if that was done... In a vacuum with no other consideration of Russia ever, then people might be able to excuse it as okay. He's just trying to play kind of a, a, a politics game with Russia, trying to, to ease tension with Russia. It's not about him being influenced by Russia. But when you add up all the other shit where he's being influenced by Russia, clearly, then the then that takes on a new meaning, right? I mean, when you take when you put it in context, it becomes very clear. So. The whole thing taken out of context is because, like, if you talk about, oh, you know, somebody's, yeah, I thought about Russia because we're going to have a meeting with them at some point, and so we have to deal with them, so I didn't want to do something that was necessarily really awful towards Russia. If there was no other Russian connections you could ever, mm. can, you could ever push, then in, you know, in isolation, that wouldn't necessarily be bad. But with all this other context about Russia influencing the campaign, Russia influencing the people around him, Russia changing his opinions about things, then him him say, yeah, well, I did it because, you know, because of Russia. <laughs> it's like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? And the, the, the aspect of him that is just willing to admit this shit... To some, to anybody who's willing to listen, not not just like high up people, but like fucking Lester Holt on CNN, just asking him a question. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna blurt it out because that makes me look powerful." Because he doesn't care; he only cares about the fact that that he looks good to himself in that moment. Right. Well, he wants to be the the alpha. He wants to be yeah. the dominant guy, and you know, so every decision has to be his. Right. 
But the, uh... Oh, so, yeah, the Russia thing was, like, a crazy, like, ego thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to me, the crazier ego thing is him being, like I said, unhappy with the damage control that the press corps has done, or the the, the press office has done. Right. And he just changes the story, like, in a second. Because the, because the press, his his press team is trying to, to put the right spin on it. And Donald Trump doesn't care about spin at all. <laughs> I mean, he, he he has the attention span of a five-year-old. He is a five-year-old for all intents and purposes. He he knows more English than a five-year-old. But that's about the only difference. He he likes his steaks well done with ketchup. He is super impulsive. He is vindictive. He is he cares about the people who are quote unquote loyal to him, but he doesn't show loyalty towards them. There's every Everything about him is is like a five year old, except for mm. his vocabulary. <sighs> Self aggrandizement, all, all the stuff. He's the center of the world, as far as he's concerned. He only cares about how people perceive him. Oh, he so cares about how people perceive him. But that's it. He doesn't care. He doesn't actually care about you or America or anything else. He cares about how people perceive him. And and that the speech he gave at the Coast Guard, yeah, thing. Oh my! God. I am the most. This is the biggest witch on history. I, I am the most persecuted politician in history. I saw a great picture of Nelson Mandela in jail, saying, "Cool story, brother." <laughs> what about all the people who got shot? <laughs> All the people who someone someone posted I retweeted it, but someone posted about some like Mesopotamian type thing who was beat to death in clubs and thrown mm-hmm. into the river, you know. Yeah, but he says it with great surety. Surety. <laughs> it's so big. I gotta pee. Do you wanna Yeah, I can carry this. Okay. We're listening to Euphoria Warning, uh album from Chris Cornell. I thought this was a great album when it came out. When it was, I think it was his first solo album. Let's go on to the next song. A little more moving and grooving, dancing to the music. Seagulls on the beach. Um, Trump. Oh, I had a great. Oh, I'll say this for Greg actually because. Uh, Friday I went to lunch with some uh, friends of mine, coworkers, friends of mine, and we, we were all aligned politically. We're not aligned religiously, and uh, but we also respect each other enough to not get into a uh, name-calling battle. So it was a really good talk. But I'll go over that when Greg gets back. Um, what else has been going on? Soccer, spring soccer season's wrapping up. Uh, Allie is playing tomorrow for sole possession of first place in her bracket. Uh, playing the team we're tied with currently tomorrow morning, or tomorrow, I guess, afternoon. Allie's been playing goalie. She's been doing a pretty good job. Um, proud Papa with her uh, performance and goal. And uh, she's used to losing. She's lost... 32 games in the past 12 months something like that so seeing her talk so tomorrow Allison is playing 
the team she's tied her travel team is tied with for first place in her bracket. So she's super excited if they beat Riverside, they'll be in first place by themselves. And it, it's a different alley because, you know, we are used to losing. Uh-huh. You know, we're the younger half of a two-year bracket. Uh, in the last 12 months, she's probably lost 33, 34 games. She's certainly used to losing. But uh, tomorrow she's like, if we beat Riverside, we'll be in first place. And she's like getting behind it, you know, and... She's also well. She's also been playing goalkeeper a lot, and yeah. she's doing really well in goalkeeper. And I don't know, proud dad moment. But the, the psychology thing—the reason I mentioned it to you—is like she went from oh, it's all about having fun. You know, when you're losing and you lose repetitively, it's all about having fun. Right. And she subscribed to that. She never got discouraged. But now that we're winning. Her travel team's winning, and she has a chance to to win the bracket. And sure, it's the C bracket; it's the lowest skilled group out of you know three groups. She's uh, she's a little more stoked about winning now. I I, I am sure you had influence on that. Maybe I, I think it's her coach. I think it's her teammates. They're all excited. About I know it. you care about winning more than I do. Like, you care about, like, when you play games, you want to win. Do yes, I? you do. Do I? Yes, you, you, you've, you've mentioned that to, to, okay. to me and Nick when we were talking about games, and we're like, yeah, yeah, we play these games, but it's more about having fun. You look at us kind of like, it's funny, you say, yeah, I care about winning. So, for sure. Uh, I don't remember ever saying that. You, I've, I think you, you've at least said it. You, you for sure have looked at us funny when we say, I don't care about necessarily yeah. Uh, okay, I'm not gonna. I don't want to argue this. I want to move on to the next thing, but that does not sound like me to me. Okay, but I don't. It's not mean to be dis- like. I'm not disappointing you. It's just you. It's it, it's you appreciate winning more than I do. I don't. Maybe maybe it, it's because I'm a fucking Charlie Brown. I don't know, but like I don't necessarily need to win to to enjoy the fun or. Really feel that pressure to win. Ah, I'm surprised to hear this. This does not sound... This is something I don't see in myself. I don't... No, I think I'm perfectly satisfied playing. I mean, the only time I want to win is when I'm beating that fucking game that's trying to beat us. You know, a collaborative game. You know? <laughs> Pandemic. And, sure, sure. And, well, we know. all want to win. Well, I yeah. mean, that's that's... I mean, you, you want to win. You're playing to win, but when you're done and you don't win, you're not like disappointed. I, I can't say. I, I, can, I could see where I'd be disappointed in a close game or something. Sure. But, you know, being a, you know, if the turns didn't work right and I got my ass kicked, I wouldn't be like upset about it. I wouldn't be mad that I didn't win. I'm not mad. I. No, I think. I think that, you know, playing those games is about spending time with friends. Yes, I agree. Uh, so I'm surprised. I'm not telling you to change your opinion of me. Uh, I, I will have to be more introspective in the future. I'm surprised you have this opinion, though. I just... Okay, I, I, it is... I may be wrong, but it is a conclusion. I'm co- uh, a competitive, but it, I, I wouldn't say that I have this... So yeah, I mean, here's the thing: you're not 
opposed to a game just because you suck at it, for example, or because you lost at it. Where I know people who are like, right. I won't play a game. Like people who will like a game if they won it the first time, but if they didn't win it the first time, they won't like it. There are people who like that. Okay, so competitiveness, right? I mean, so before I had my knee surgery, I was playing pickup soccer uh-huh. on Thursday nights with guys. There's 25 people out there. I am the worst guy on the field. Uh-huh. And I'm playing because it's fun. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, like, so, again, I'm not saying that you are you're against a game because you can't win it, but I do think, from my perspective, and I could be completely wrong about this. This is this is a perspective thing. It seems like you care about winning considerably more than I do. Maybe it's just because you. Your competitiveness is that much more pronounced while you're playing. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe me wanting to win versus me caring if I lose. It is a different thing because I don't yeah. care if I lose. Right, right. But sure, I want to win. Yeah. I, I, I can accept that those are different things, and that may be what I'm looking at. Right, but yeah. I do not care if I lose. Yeah. I'm a loser. I've lost plenty in my life. And, you know, I coached a soccer team this past winter who went... I'm Batman. One, 22, and one. Mm-hmm. We lost a lot of fucking games. But my assistant coach was more bummed about that than me. I don't care if we lose. Because the kids had fun. Right. You hope. But some of them are going to Actually, be like, you know, I just realized this this past season. I'm I'm pretty good at coaching like 9-year-old girls. <laughs> no, no. No, you're laughing because I don't know why, but they like me. They really like me. Um, because you you have a you have a 9-year-old daughter, so you know how to deal with them. The other dads are too dad-like. I I can be a kid still or something. I think that's it. Like, I'll goof around with the kids. I'll... I, I don't... That's it. Uh, you've seen... You know me. I'll go into yeah. falsetto uh-huh. on a regular basis. You know, most men do not go into falsetto. Yeah, because that, right, that's you're, me. You're comfortable with your own sexuality enough that you don't care. Yeah. But I'll go into falsetto all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And I'll goof around with the kids. And, like, so on Allie's... Second team, the the what we call the in-house team. I'm not officially the head coach. Coach Andy's the head coach, but um, it's also his first time head coaching, where I have a lot more experience. So I kind of run the stuff, and uh, but I don't see him acting like a kid. I don't see him, you know, doing that kind of thing. So will it get to the point where you'll let Ali go to a team that, where you're not a coach? I'm not a coach on her travel team. Not at all. I will make myself available with practices to help out, but I am not on the coaching roster. If all three coaches are out of practice, I won't be doing much of anything. You'll be there. I'll be watching you. I mean, unless Max... The times I'm not watching LA practice is when Max has a hockey game that conflicts with it. So So it would be interesting because a lot of those kids don't have their parents there. You know, Ali actually likes me being around. Oh, I'm sure. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's a bad thing yeah, to be around. Yeah, no. 
I, it would be interesting, just from a pure, like, rational standpoint, how does she behave in these situations when you're not around versus when you are around? So, she's playing, been playing goalie, right? And they switch sides of the field at halftime. And first half, I'd be on her side of the field, giving her encouragement and whatnot. And one of the first games, she switched sides, and I stayed on the same side of the field. So I was away from her. And uh, she let in a goal. And then, like, she kind of, like, signaled me. She wanted me to come down, stand, and give her encouragement from the near sideline. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, she tells me, you know, uh, she likes the team. Now that they're winning, she's changed her opinion, but earlier in the season, she likes the team where I'm the coach better than the team where, you know, the mm-hmm. other guy is the coach. It's going to change real soon. She's nine. You know, in the next yeah. four years, you know, she's not going to want me around. So I'm enjoying every <laughs> minute of that. Sure. Um, but I know I'm not going to be the, the the one time in history where my teenage daughter doesn't hate me. <laughs> you know, I know that's not going to happen. Um. What was your... I'm sorry, I lost no, your no, no. question. That, that, that's, the, the question was more theoretical anyway. So it was, like I said, it was more like a, a impartial observer trying to kind of understand. It seems, but, like I mean, she gets, it seems like she gets a lot of her strength from your presence. I, I think that's true. We'll see how that changes as she becomes a teenager. But right now... Well, so, I mean, we've talked about this before, you know, it, it's it's a long, complex thing, but, you know, I, I strongly believe if you want to be something in the next generation, you have to be a maker. You have to be able to engineer mm-hmm. something. You can't work retail, stuff like that. There is the whole gender disparity in technology. Yeah. And at the age Alley is now, it's there at parity where in the next four years, girls drop off a cliff and don't keep parity with the boys so you know my mission right now is self-esteem technology um especially in tech and things like that and so you know for the next five years i'm my mission is to keep her in math science and tech to keep her self-esteem up you know, and that kind of thing. So, I mean, and I, I would point out to those who, who aren't aware, it's not because he's forcing it; it's because she likes it, and that's why you're, you keep encouraging her. It's like Max oh. really isn't following that path, and you're letting Max do what, what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, so Max, you know, Max is two and a half years younger, and Ali's the easy one to pay attention to right now. She's the, you know. She's doing things that are more interesting to me mm-hmm. right now. But, you know, Max and I have projects too. You know, I make sure that I have to step back at two and a half years or a year and a half or whatever it is and put myself in that mindset where he's not there yet. He's not in the thing. Like, if I had to pick, oh, it's more interesting to interact with Allie than it is to with mm-hmm. Max. But, you know, you have to you have to split time and find the interesting things with the younger kid. And, uh, I mean, we had this conversation like last week where you think Max is more of the theater or something. Evil, I think is the way I put it. Evil. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, but Max is more willing to to go with it, to and and make up his own stuff. Whereas Allie is more tentative, and she tries to analyze the situation before she jumps mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but I think a six-year-old boy is going to be pretty spontaneous. Pretty uh, spontaneous. Not everyone. Pretty... My my nephew. Is not necessarily okay. that way. Um, he's much more of a kind of stand back, analyze situation. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say he's, he's sciencey, but he he is not a take control kind of person like Max is. Max is very much okay putting himself out there. I mean, we're all different, and he and but that's where mm-hmm. the theater. I think that's where the theater thing comes from. He's mm-hmm. much more expressive. He's very willing to put himself out there and put himself sort of. Uh, in in control uh, of a situation when whatever he can mm-hmm. or assert control if he can. Yeah. So I mean, I think about this regularly, making sure that I spend equal time and then I I find to do interesting things with Max, even though it's easier to be interesting with Ellie. Mm-hmm. It's just that age difference. Yeah. It's it's the age different, but I mean, it's not just the age difference. It's that they're different kids. They're different, different interests. No, I, I think that my bias is mostly the age difference, just the the complexity of the interaction, right? I mean, interacting well, with. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that. No, my, my point is more: they are different interests, so you have to deal with them differently, right. regardless of their age. No, I, I don't think that I prefer interacting with Ali. Because she's technical. <laughs> That's not what I'm All saying. Right. I'm, I'm simply saying that the difference... I don't know whether the difference is necessarily just an age thing. I think the difference is more how they perceive the world and how they interact with the world. Mm-hmm. And their age is less important from what I see. I mean, age, you know, Ali's more... Uh, Ali has more vocabulary than Max does. But Max looks at the world in a different way than Ellie does and it's not a, because it's a, an age thing it's, it's just because of the way that they are observing and interacting with the world that just they're different personalities they're, they're, they oh, are oh sure no they are but I mean there is a thing where you can have a more nuanced and detailed conversation with Allison yeah and for an adult that's more engaging right because Allie uh, is Looking and interested in what's going around around her, Max is more. I'm going to make the world bend to what I think. Neither uh, of them. I'm is chalking. Wrong. I'm chalking that more up to. I personally chalking up. You know the the lack of nuance to age and most. And I didn't notice that with Allie when she two and a half years ago. Okay. I don't know. That's but you know, like as a parent, you have to like be conscious of all kinds of things. Like, like yes, you have to. I get like, the advantage. Like I've I've gone into Allison's bedroom like two days in a row, first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I need to make sure I make the left hand turn in the Max's bedroom. You know, you know that kind of thing. I have yeah. to make sure I'm sharing time and 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 whatnot, and making sure that I don't always. Go to Max second or something like yeah. that. I get the advantage of, of viewing this from an outside perspective, which gives me a certain different viewpoint than you have. The one thing, you know, you know, they're both in sports right now. Allie has 
five days a week where she's doing the soccer and whatnot. But I need to make sure that Max feels equal in the attention mm-hmm. I give him for his sport. Right. Even though he only plays one or two games a week. You know, so you got to give him this outsized proportion of, of praise right. or con- criticism. You know, and I give the kids criticism. I tell Max how he can play better, you know, than he did in the last game. The game he had today. Actually, today's game was... I, did, I didn't give him any criticism. They only had six kids, so he played the entire game. Huh? No substitutions in hockey. Uh, he He's great. young enough that he can run around like crazy. And he was tired. Yeah. He was he was pooped at the end. Have you noticed this? Your peely hands. Yeah. I saw that last week, yeah. yeah. I think I know why. Too much jerking off? No. Uh, Not enough jerking close off. Enough, close to it. Too much playing video games and, and the the... With the PS4 controller, get some moisturizer. You'll be fine. Yeah, I think I need to do that because yeah. And then you can jerk off more because the moisturizer is great for jerking off. Oh, I have my own stuff for jerking off. Don't worry. You don't, don't want to use KY like KY jelly to clean, you know, moisturize your hands. But no, no, no. But the, Astroglide, What are you using? The, the, there's there's like a, a warming oh jelly thing. Yeah, it's, like, it's basically it it, it's basically for masturbation. They sell it at Rite Aid. Oh, so. Yeah. No, get some get some moisturizer. Yeah, hand yeah. cream. Yeah, you'd be good. Mm-hmm. See, I think it's from the video game controller. I think why was that? Because I keep it, you know, and do it for like hours and hours, and don't. Hmm. I think it's a weird time of year to have dry skin, though. That's but it does because that's why I think it's related because yeah. I, you know, I just jumped into playing oh. the games a whole bunch. And so I just, you know, I haven't been playing them for a month, for, for a while. And I just jumped into back, back into playing, like, all these games. I console. think you need to masturbate with hand cream, and then it'll be, like, two for one. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'll start. You can improve but, your skin and... But here's where you <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm a righty, but I, I, I masturbate lefty. Really? Yeah. Huh. I masturbate lefty. I'm a lefty. I, I cannot jerk off my right hand. <laughs> Feels like so. I wrong. think what happened was actually because I used to do it with my right hand. I think that I had like a carpal tunnel injury. Oh. And I couldn't do it, and so I had to, you know. And she's better, huh? And well, I, I, it felt more comfortable for some reason. Huh. You ever do like a reverse grip? Like no, I'm, no, no. I've never done the stranger either. <laughs> Well, I thought the stranger was switching hands. No, the stranger. I, I think the stranger is when you you like sit on your hands so it gets numb. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of surprised you don't have a flashlight or something like that. Uh, I I actually I bought like a, a super cheap like flashlight thing, <laughs> and, it was, well. and it was dumb, and it was like. Pfft. I mean, this is just. And I'm not saying that because Greg, you know, may or may not be lonely. I'm saying that because Greg buys toys all the time. Yeah, no, and... no I, I, I'd try a flashlight. I, I don't see any reason not to. Yeah, I just it's, figured. Yeah, you know, all the other shit you buy, I figured you would buy. I, I tried, you know, what was you know, a, a, you know, bargain bin flashlight, I guess, and and there was nothing that intriguing about it. It was mm-hmm. just it, 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 why I'm, I can use my hand for the, and I get the same kind of pleasure out of it. So it's not like there wasn't a point. I don't. I don't masturbate for fun anymore. It's just sort of to relieve that kind of pressure, right? It's not. I mean, you know, you know, when I was, you know, 
in my 20s, it was, you know, masturbating is great. Like, oh, I'm going to go home and welcome forward. But now it's just like, okay, I just got to I go to sleep. I got to go to sleep or something. I, I need to be able to concentrate on this particle yeah. physics shit. Yeah, right. I just got to get this fucking, you know, oh, you know, think about girls and I just want to get that fuck out of my head. And greatly did as masturbate because then, you know, all that hormone shit is gone. It's used up and you're just like, okay, now I can concentrate on the other shit. <laughs> yep. Truth. Hey, I have no problem with masturbation. I do it a fair amount. Do a barrel roll. Maybe quite a bit. Depends on how you define that. (laughs) (laughs) You got the right. You got a soundboard out there, man. I do. Um, I don't think I've ever. I've never used any kind of tool or toy. I don't think I can. Oh, when I when I was I can't think of one. When I was young, I mean, like I remember, I I would come up with these plans. Like I found a way that I could, if I put towels in between the couch cushions and I used to put a condom on, like a fuck the couch. <laughs> Did you see on last week tonight about John Oliver putting a cantaloupe in the microwave for thirty seconds? No. He had a bit, you know, it, it was probably a joke bit, but he's like, you know, it's like, talking about masturbation, you microwave a half of a cantaloupe in the microwave for 30 seconds, and then fuck that. And you're thinking warm, about it, right? and you're yeah, thinking yeah. about it, and you're like, I wonder if that's a thing. <laughs> cantaloupe is, I don't know if 30 seconds would do it, right? Because you need to get like 98 degrees. The picture on the, on the, you know, the screen, you know, the corner behind him showed a half a cantaloupe. Like sliced in half, yeah. and the seeds were out. Yeah, because you really wouldn't want to stick it in there with the seeds. That probably would be no good. Well, you need some texture in there, right? Because it's not just like empty. Okay, everyone, go get a cantaloupe. Yeah, and report back next week. <laughs> Alright, that's probably enough masturbation talk. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. So uh, Friday, went to lunch with some uh, coworkers of mine, and we're all uh, pretty politically aligned. And we're having, we're also, you know, comfortable with each other, good friends. We got into religion, mm-hmm. and it was a great talk. And I'm not sure if I have a point really to now that I, now that I'm like starting to talk about. I'm like. Other than, like, we had a really good talk about religion with no judgment being passed. I'm not sure if I have anything really to share. Like, I, th- I think the, the, the religious guy, he grew up without religion, mm-hmm. got married, and kind of, you know, the community part is appealing to him. Totally understand There's that. There's a comfort of the of the whole thing, but it doesn't make logical sense to him. But he gets this comfort from from going to church and, and his religion, his faith. Now, uh, I told you in between shows about the standard model, mm-hmm. how I see it as this um, as this object, um, and it's very it's this mathematical object that I can't define in anything but an abstract way. I showed you sort of a way of, of looking at it in, in, in a very abstract sense. It's really pretty to me because I understand a lot about it, right? Because and, and But the interesting thing about it is you 
you take this object, you twist it, you turn it, there are all these things you, you dive down and then you can get into very intricate things. But it's still fundamentally a mystery, and there's still things about it that I don't understand, and there are still things about it that are strange that I don't get, and that I probably never will. And I also don't think that this necessarily describes reality. I think this mm-hmm. describes a very interesting way of looking at reality that does comport to experiment. But is there a real difference between this and a religion? Only in the sense that this has demonstrable effects that we can do, and in the sense that this does not necessarily say this is true, right. this is what we can measure. I mean, so I made, I made that point to, to my coworker, you know, basically, and longtime listeners of the post show know this, how I, I went from calling myself agnostic to atheist because of if there's lack of evidence, might as well not be, you know, you can't account for something there's no evidence for, mm-hmm. so it might as well not exist, right? That's, that's kind of the quick way to distill yeah. it down to where I'm at now. So I do call myself an atheist. Because uh, you are. Right. Because I don't make any claims on things that do not have evidence. Mm-hmm. But if there's no evidence, then it's exactly equal to not being there. Right. So there's no point in considering something that might as well not be there because there's no evidence. Um. Oh shit! I just lost my point. Um. Religion. I know. I know, I know the. I know the whole <laughs> thread of what we're talking about. I'm trying to. I thought I had a point from our conversation at lunch on Friday. Well, he said that he. He. So I, I kind of had to just to describe my definition of atheist because he, he was more familiar with the. Saying there is no, right. not there might as well not be any. I treat, the more, the yeah, more militant atheist. Yeah, I, 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 like you and I treat the world as if there isn't because there's no evidence for it. It's not that we say there isn't for sure. It's that there's no evidence for it. Therefore, the world might as well not have it. And so there's no reason to treat it as if it does. Right. Because it does not change any evident, yeah. evidentiary phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I did lose. I, I did have a grander point, but it's gone. So it, it was a good. It was an interesting talk, though. I I like. Oh, uh, what I did. What I did describe. What I did figure out about myself is if I if I'm anything other than an atheist, I'm a humanist. Mm-hmm. I cheer right and desire the human race to succeed. I'm a humanist. I'm all about the humans. Yeah, you are all about the humans in the sense that you... When we asked about if, if you could have knowledge for the end of the world, you only care about it as far as humans go. And that's it. Well, I would like to know how the universe ends as well, but a big part of that is what the human species succeeded. I would like to know what other intelligent life is out there. What about things that branch off from humans? I... I, w- I wanted a moment of omniscience. So, well, for example, I want to know everything. For example, if you were a dinosaur guy, would you still care about birds? Sure, they're close enough. I mean, well, they are. I, I want to know about our guild brethren who live in Atlantis. I want. To, uh, 
No, it's just birds are dinosaurs. I want to make so, sure that. So, if I'm, so, 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 part of me is a humanist. Maybe part of me is a knowledgeist. I, I would love. I just want to know. I want. I want, I want to be omniscient. Uh, you know. If I, you know, if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm shooting for the moon and and wishing, and like, what is the perfect thing that happens at death? It's it's omniscience. It's a moment of omniscience to know what happens to my reality. Keep talking. I'm just looking through my notes here. Sure. There's various things that I that relate to sort of this. I right. There's a... I mean, this is not, I don't think it's any different than what we've talked about before, but not everyone's heard it. But yeah, I mean, the, 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 the building factors to that point of view is a long time ago, my mom and my sister were like, what do you mean you don't see heaven like a big family reunion in the sky? Because <laughs> that's kind of what they were seeing. You know, yeah. you, you die, you go see Uncle Bill, and you just, everyone loves each other, and they're all there. I'm like, I would have never considered seeing you in heaven. Right. I wouldn't consider to see Greg in heaven. I would, what I imagined heaven would be, that, that utopian thing is knowledge. I would love to like have this download of the universe. I want all the knowledge in the universe. That's that would be my utopia. That would be my heaven. And that includes what humans. So heaven accomplish. is what. So heaven and and, and that's you know, the thing that that I always say to to religious people when we get to this point is is your God sounds an awful lot like you. <laughs> <laughs> He likes the same things you like, dislikes the same things you like, you dislike. The opinions about the world are exactly the same. There's <laughs> does that strike you as because you <laughs> as odd in any mm-hmm. sense? Like the things that you find pleasurable are the things that you think that, you know, heaven will give you. Uh it's yeah. either, so that means either you are Somehow more right than everybody else in the world, or you're God, right now, or you're wrong. I just, I mean, I know you understand this, but I just want to make the point is that I do not expect this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I expect my right. consciousness will cease. Yep, and that's it. Now, if I'm shooting for the moon and wishing for my utopias, that's what my utopia is. It is knowledge, like omniscient knowledge. And, and for those who, who care, I'm convinced your yours and my conscious is just a process. So the fact that it ends isn't going to be any different from the fact that I go to sleep and wake up the next day. I don't think that I... I well, I, I think that I'm a different person when I wake up from my conscious. In fact, I think I'm a different person from what I was two hours ago. Th- those, you know, the, the comparison... Um, uh, often goes back to Buddhism, which I think had a lot right. Which is, you know, it's a it's a river that's running. It's not it's not a snapshot. Mm-hmm. It's constantly changing. So there is no this is you. There is there is a continuum of pop, mm-hmm. of things that 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 can describe you at a certain point, but only at a certain point. But essentially, it's constantly things moving. So wh- what you are is, is is a river in that sense and you can stop off the river so the river will will be stopped but the the components that made up the river are still going to exist mm-hmm. so 
existentially, it's terrifying death, but if you look at it from the wider perspective, it's no different than any other kind of being, as far as I can tell. It's no different from going to sleep. Yeah, I mean, I'm or not living. You assume you just said existentially, it's terrifying or something like that. You know, existentially, like if you existentially in the sense that if you are married to the idea of a self and want that self to be continual forever, then it is terrifying. Oh, I'm in the between, right? Because I understand what you're saying about how you're a different person when you wake up than when you go to sleep. I'm not that far along of of um, my consciousness is so fleeting that it's not the same me. But I also don't feel that I have a soul. I don't feel that there's this thing <laughs> well, that, okay, this you way. know... I, I think I said this more, but if, if you go to sleep and aliens come by, clone you, destroy your clone body and put the clone of you in there, and then you wake up, would you know the difference? Uh, I don't know. But you know, like I said, I, I am not I'm not hedging my bets, I'm not holding out hope that there's there's this utopia or heaven. You, you, if you ask me what I would want heaven to be, that's what it would be. And it'd be super sweet, but no, there's gonna be a, a hundred billion things I never know. Uh, I'm not Turn down anything. Hopefully, <laughs> Hopefully I, I get to know my kids as adults. That'd be great. Sure. It's more knowledge, like you said. Yeah. Anything beyond that's gravy. If I get that in omniscience before I, my soul's gone for... My oh, man, gravy. Heaven from... would be gravy, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Gravy. Gravy. Uh, so we're going to listen to Belinda Carlisle, huh? Well... Heaven is a place on earth. Ooh, baby. <laughs> yeah, but it was actually good having a conversation, a debate with a faithful person. And, you know, ju- no judgment was passed. Everyone was listening. You don't get that every day. It was really cool. And it was, you know, a guy who went from being non-religious to having faith. Yeah, no, that happens. So the square. Sides two. Whatever. Two of whatever. Right? Square. What are you talking about? I'm putting it into a Cartesian coordinate system, a square. Sides two. Mm -hmm. And the center is zero. Okay. Gotcha. And now we're going to twist it. And you're going to twist it such that. Sick and Twisted Brewing Company? Now is a rhombus. Okay. Same size square. Just been rotated. Anything interesting? It's a rhombus. Mm-hmm. 
So the distance between parallel sides is shorter. Certainly, there's interesting things that happen here. Like, for instance, these sides become the square root of 2. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That, yeah, yeah. But is that... These were always there, right? But, these, you know, but these, that's, these not, that's not a straight-up rotation, though. I mean... Sure it is. Let me, uh... I need a prop. Let me make a prop here real quick. He's making a square out of some paper. Maybe I maybe I drew this not to scale, but the point is the same. But I'm not sure the point's the same. Alright, so we have take your pen. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna outline this square. And I made a square because I folded it. Diagonal across right. itself. Right. So now let me turn it. So you see that when it's turned 45 degrees, mm-hmm. that its furthest extents left and right are further than the square. Mm-hmm. Now the rhombus that you drew were all it plus one and minus one, where we were at... I didn't label anything. You... Didn't you say... I think you said that where the square crosses the x-plane and the diamond crosses the x-plane were both at one, is what I heard you say. But maybe you didn't say it. No. Okay. No. Both at zero. They're both, they're rotating right. at the zero point. Is, 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 is okay. So I was I was basing my argument on something I did. I heard you say that you didn't say. Yeah. No. The only thing is is that now these, according to the Cartesian plate, these sides are now square root of two as opposed to one, and it's just because of the way okay. things rotate. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, that's where square roots come from. Is that? Oh. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't have remembered from my math a long time ago that that was the square root of two. So you re-educated me. And then the... So rotating a square, square root. But a square root is the reverse of something times itself. Well, it's the hypotenuse of this triangle that has a one. hypotenuse of triangle. Okay. Gotcha. Because like a squared plus b squared equals c squared. So 1 squared plus 1 squared equals 2 squared. Or rather. Right. <laughs> yeah. Equals the square root of 2 squared. Cool. 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 Math is neat. Numbers kind of suck. Math is neat. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I talked about this before, but I loved geometry in school. Mm-hmm. Didn't like algebra so much, but I loved geometry. I would have liked trig if the teacher wasn't such a fucking dick. I hate it. I didn't like trig because the teacher was. Awful. You need good teachers, or you need to be interested enough to teach yourself. Mm-hmm. 
and and that's that's really key to at least when you're young. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I totally understand that. You know, if your teacher is a fucking dick, then either you're super interested in the subject, or you just don't fucking care because your teacher's a dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it 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 is the the difficult part of a population that is growing exponentially is finding enough people to teach them uh, how to appreciate all the subjects that there are of life. Mm-hmm. In, in the right ways and that's just not going to happen right that's where you come in dad it's my, and mom it's my mission mm-hmm. you gotta fill in those those uh, those boxes as much as you can of the stuff that isn't being taught mm-hmm because a lot of what is being taught in school is not necessarily facts and figures, but a lot of socialization. Right. Like, it might even make sense for you to consider homeschooling. If you really feel like you want to teach Allie, for example, you want to really get her on a STEM... Right trajectory if I could stay home and teach her or if you convince Heather to <laughs> to teach her the STEM stuff can I would have to teach Heather the STEM stuff first and she would have to really understand it to be able to teach it right, back right? right and that's the problem and I can't stay home and teach because I need you to support the family support the family no, I'm perfect in world. I know. I know. <laughs> Maybe you know this is probably the time I agree with you the most about that. You know the socialist, you know your socialistic thoughts. But yeah, I mean, if I if I had the luxury of staying home and teaching my kids, I think that'd be great. I, I think that it, it's helpful until like high school, and then I would say let the kids socialize with you know their peers mm-hmm. is get them into the point where they are they know what they like so they will pursue it on their own but they also need to understand socialization from like the high school perspective yeah. so yeah they need to understand clicks they need to understand how that works and you that the only way to do that is to go through the process of learning which is painful but it's important right. I'm with you. And it does get better. I mean, like, like the the, yeah. the click thing it, it is like a fucking crash course high school in, in, in politics. And There's certain things Heather, Allie doesn't like me teaching her. Like, she will not let me do her spelling words with her. But science things. So, like, she recently just had a, a unit on the respiratory system. And you, you're familiar with the Crash Course on YouTube, right? The Crash yeah, Course sure. series. Mm-hmm. So there was, it wasn't a Crash Course kids. It was a regular old Crash Course on the respiratory system. But she was having problems with some of this rote memorization stuff. Yeah. And, and my point of view on a lot of this stuff, and I actually had to like convince Heather that it was worthwhile, is if you have a general understanding of the system... 
you'll be able to answer the test questions because you'll be able to intuit the answer. Yep. yep. So there is a crash course on the respiratory system and it's not made for third graders and they talk so fast in those things. But uh, I sh- pointed out the first couple times Allie and I watched to get the important parts and then kind of her study guide get ready for this was watching that video like another like <laughs> seven eight nine ten times she, and it, it's hacking her a little bit because she's watching a youtube video as opposed to working uh-huh. and but she got a perfect on the test because once she knows she understood enough of the system mm-hmm. it's, it is called a system so once you understand the system you can figure out these Test answers. Yeah, once you get the con, once the concept is understandable, then the rest of it is just minutia, and the minutia is is relatively easy to, especially if it's multiple choice to figure out what they're talking about. Because oh, it's not that, it's not that, it's definitely not that. Well, it's got to be this one, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's not the case. Yeah. But no, Ali got a perfect score in a respiratory test because of YouTube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> YouTube, um, it's it is. The internet has lots of like great things and horrible things, and 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 one of the the truly great things is is the educational resources. You know, like the way the video is set up is it's really it's it's kind of highlighting two things, and that is uh, simple diffusion and bulk flow. Neither of which are anything on our test. Sure, of course, that's not going to be covered for a nine-year-old. But neither of which are on our test. But it talked about enough of the components. Of the respiratory system and the function of the respiratory system enough that, you know, while she maybe probably still does couldn't tell you what bulk flow is, uh, you know, she was been experienced. She's been exposed mm-hmm. to it plenty now. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I brought up a couple of weeks ago that, you know, I'm talking about eye and rotation shit like that. And through osmosis, not through you necessarily studying, but through hearing me over and over again, mm-hmm. now you, you get it. You, you understand what I'm talking about when I'm mm-hmm. talking about this stuff. You understand complex pain, that sort of thing. Even though you never really studied it. But you could go into, you could probably take a test on some of these things and kind of figure your way through it. Right. Much more than Well, that's it. I, that's what I told, I even told this to Allie going in. I'm like, not everything in this video is on your test. Mm-hmm. But if you understand the whole system, you'll be able to answer the questions. Yeah. And I think, you know, the results showed her, okay, so next time she'll be more, you know, readily accepting of learning extra things she And the nice thing is, learn. I think they have, like, they have Crash Course Philosophy, I think they have Crash Course mm-hmm. History, so, so you can do that yeah. kind of stuff with those things. I mean, if you're really interested in history, you, know, you could listen to Hardcore History and you would probably have way more... Uh, You'd certainly be able to answer a test on something, and you'd be much more entertained, right? Mm-hmm. There's that all that stuff about give, give me the the information in an entertaining fashion, uh, and I'll certainly be able to, to speak the rote about it because I understand the right. whole story. One of our main comebacks comments was, "Man, he talks fast," you know, because it's adult level or at least high yeah. school level crash course, mm-hmm. and. It would be, and they don't have a kid's version for the respiratory system, so we had to watch the adult version. It would have been nice to be able to, like, slow it down. (laughs) But getting to the point where you can go through something and you get, and you then, you understand what they're throwing out at you. 
Yeah, but could you imagine for a nine-year-old, there's so many unfamiliar words that might sound like another language. I, I can imagine it for a 40-year-old, so I can definitely <laughs> yeah. imagine it for a nine-year-old. Yeah. Like, I'm watching it, and I understand the vocabulary enough that I can keep up, but I could just imagine for her that mm-hmm. the vocabulary is so new and so strange that it just sounds like blah 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 But it it got her got her. It was the easiest way to get her to learn the material for a test, mm-hmm. and she understands the whole system better than her test would. Have, you know, than yeah. the teacher ever. Then, then just for. learning some some stuff, and that would just be erased after a while. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's twelve thirty. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good. Oh, I, I real quick. I I, uh, I hacked Max today, so he was watching uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, uh-huh. and I was teasing him like, "Oh, Cloudy with a Chance of Cheese Balls." And I said it like five or six times. And I went left the room, and I came back and I said, "Cloudy with a Chance of Max Balls." He's like, "No, Cheese Balls." Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Repetition. <laughs> He's so mad at me. He's like, no, I meant meatballs. Like, you said cheese balls. <laughs> Have a good week, everybody. Uh, so, um, pr- maybe not this weekend? Probably not. Okay. Um, I'll keep you updated, but I'm pretty sure we're leaving Friday night and won't be home till Monday. Okay. Bye. Right, bye. <laughs>